This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three who testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is God's testimony, which he has testified concerning his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. He who doesn't believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his Son. The testimony is this, that God gave to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who doesn't have God's son, doesn't have the life. Good morning. Good morning, Generations Church and visitors of Generations Church this morning. I see some people that I do not recognize, so I'm assuming you're visiting. And I just want to tell you, from here, from this distance, you all look beautiful. Um, I guess I should say, buenos dias, como estas? Que bonita. That's about the end of that Spanish for you today. Um, I will have to pull out a, a cheat if you want more. Um, so, uh, I mean, I could ask for the bathroom or something, but I already know where they are. So, <clears throat> if we haven't met yet today uh, or any day, uh, my name is Lauren Lindsay. Uh, that's how you spell my name because some people say, what did you say your name was? They have trouble with that... Uh, double girl name that I was given. <laughs> hey, it's not Sue, so that's good. Um, <clears throat> for you old enough to get that joke. Uh, we have almost reached the end of this beautiful series Scott started us in back in the 60s. Um, <clears throat> he asked me to start uh, preparing in the summer of 69 for this message. Um, And I just want to tell you, he called this the summer series. Technically, we started it before summer started. And technically, summer has not ended. September 22nd this year is the official end of summer. So it's going to get cold. It's going to start getting real cold around here. It'll probably drop all the way down to like 101 during the evenings. You know, you'll be sitting on your patio with your snow cone. It's going to be amazing. So uh, I am married to an amazing woman. Uh, I think we have some pictures of my family. I just uh, cannot speak without talking about them. I like real world photos, you know? Like these are real things that happen. You know, people put up the best pictures. I think these are the best pictures. Um, Ethan is my little boy there that is uh, in despair. And he uh, was just, something was wrong and taken away from him. His favorite cousin that likes to harass him, um, stole something or something. We were at a beautiful wedding, and uh, he was not ready for the photo, and um, he was very upset. Um, but uh, we do have some more pictures, the ones that you probably would post on Facebook. You could put those up, the next set there. And um, uh, that's, that's your uh, typical Facebook photos of my family, my beautiful wife again. Uh, she's amazing. I often call her dude. And hey, babe, 
You probably should call her Stephanie. Um, that, that would probably go over better with her. Um, again, we have two boys. Uh, Liam is the bigger one, and Ethan is the one that looks like him, but small. Um, by the way, the one in the middle, that picture in the middle is one of my favorite pictures of him smiling, because he's like, he went from, the, you know, the, this is after the head down crying moment, you know, he took it and he's like on his tiptoes smiling as big as he can. Um, and if you know Ethan, um, that's him. Oh, he's back there. I see him. And um, he just touches so many people's hearts. Um, he's an amazing kid. And I realized something. So my wife's amazing. My kids are amazing. So that must mean I am also amazing. <laughs> um, so you're welcome for that. Um, and, but I do realize something that it is because we strive to look like our creator. It is because God is so amazing and we are striving to be like him and his children. Uh, you know, you want to be like your dad. You want to be like your mom. We are striving to be like him. And um, so we turn out amazing. Let me pray for us today and then we'll get into this scripture, this amazing, extremely difficult scripture that we're going to talk about today. God, thank you for this amazing day that you've given us. This precious, you've given us such a, a precious time together. I just pray that you lead us today, Holy Spirit. Let my words be your words and let our ears be turned and tuned to what you have for us today. I pray that everyone leaves here today with what you have for them, that you touch our minds, touch our hearts, heal us today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The Lord told me something long ago, and he said that I was going to get up and I was going to speak to people. They were going to laugh, and they were going to be healed of things. And so I just, because I heard those words, I believe those words. Um, so be ready for that today. Be open to the things that God has for you today. And um, let's read First uh, John 5, 6 through 12. We already heard it. I like to read these things over and over and over and over because the more you read it, the more things open up to you is what we're talking about. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only. That's important. But by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God. Which he has given, sorry, I paused for no reason. Which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this testimony, excuse me, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. And I said, wow, these are the words that were chosen for me to study today and talk to you about. Just so you know, i like to thank Scott for giving me what is known as the most difficult of all the Johannian scriptures. 
to study and preach on. Um, it is said by scholars that this is something that is so difficult and hard to understand. Some people said, just don't worry about it. Just don't even worry. Just don't. These are the people that are writing the Bible down that were like, maybe we should just leave this out. Some people have said that these scriptures, these specific scriptures concerning the water, the blood, and the spirit are confusing. And different translators have debated and debated over the years about just leaving it out. Like I said, leaving it out of their translation. So like you look in the Bible and it won't even be there. And in fact, at least one translator did, did actually do that. And what they said was, the reason why is because it's too difficult for regular people to understand, so we'll just take that out. So, in, in case, I, I mean, I don't think he's talking about us because we're amazing, right? But regular people wouldn't be able to understand these scriptures, and therefore, they might not need to read these. Um, so, that's kind of why the translation of the Bible you read matters. I'm not here to tell you which translation to read. I'm going to read from several of them. I was reading from the ESV. I read from all of them because... There's certain things that they say that I like. I like the way this says this or that says that. And there's reasons why. But it's, it's why uh, knowing the word and knowing your translation is important because you might come along, something, come along to something that just doesn't make sense or is maybe inaccurate according to what was written originally. So it's, it's, it is important. Um, so... Today, I'm here to help us with this one question. How do we understand these confusing words? Please know that we're in church, and the answer to almost everything is Jesus. You guessed it. Um, so I'm going to say that again, and, I, and I'd like you to be like, amen, you know, because you realize that the answer to everything is Jesus. Amen. amen. Yeah. So the problem is this is talking about Jesus. So um, let's, let's get into that. Um, so from the beginning of time, Satan and other false teachers have tried to lead man astray, right? I'm going to give you an example from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve talked with God and he told them what was right. How much time did he spend telling them what was wrong? He spent time telling them what was the right things to do, what their job was, what they were supposed to be doing, and how, you know, he, he came and he visited them and he talked to them. And, you know, at first he started talking to Adam and then he realized, well, that was kind of boring, so I need to create another one. Um, so uh, that was better. Um, to have both, not, she, yeah, anyways, um, we all know. So, but what happened was Satan started speaking to them. So Satan spoke to them, and he said something like, like this, you know, how could it be wrong to, you know, do these other things? God's given you all of this garden. He's done all these things for you. He made you in his image, right? I mean, that's what he says. He said he made you in his image. I mean, that's true. So, I mean, it just feels good to be like God. So... You're made in his image, so it can't be wrong for you to do these things. It can't be wrong for you to move out of the things that he said was right. And, you know, just do this one more thing. He spoke to them, 
and told them something that was not grandiosely off course or something crazy. He wasn't like jumping in their face like, hey, come over here and let's have a party and do all this crazy stuff. He said, just try this apple. You know, well, I'm going to use an apple as an example. He said, try this. That's all he said. He just came in kind of easily. So the other day, I'm going to talk about Ethan. Do you want to come up here? You can if you want to. He's just staring at me. We'll put his picture up on the screen so you remember which one's Ethan. He's the, uh, he's, um, well, I think he's a wrestler from the 80s when he likes to brush his teeth. But um, he has the best smiles. And um, he also, I, I think he was like impersonating Mr. Bob in that picture there. But um, he was pointing at the big mountains and how tough he was. He's an amazing kid. But I, I was having this really serious conversation with Ethan. He's five, just so you know, um, for your reference. And, and what I was telling him is about how to walk down the street. You know, you, you don't just go out in the street. You, there's a certain way to walk down the street. There's cars, there's stuff. So when I was telling him my information, I was telling him from a place of his father who cares about him and doesn't want him to get hurt. And I can see the dangers out there that he can't see. Some of you adults have seen dangers other of us don't see or have never seen. Some of you have kids and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see these dangers, and some of the dangers aren't dangers you necessarily want to sit down and try to explain to a five-year-old, but you just want to tell him, like, this is how we walk down the street. This is what we look for. This is why we're careful. You know, one thing is, if you have streets, you have cars, and people driving cars run into other cars. So little kids are smaller than cars and probably less seen. So, you know, there's a danger. But what made me so proud, and I want you to think about this, is when I was watching him, and he didn't know I was watching him, and he was following my instructions. When I saw him walking down the street the way I told him to, and looking and being careful. And then, don't you know, it just makes you more proud when I overheard him telling his little friend, we need to walk over here. These are two five-year-olds talking. So their conversations are hilarious. You should always listen in. Um, you might hear things you don't want to know because they don't lie normally. They just tell the truth. Um, but he said, he, he, he looked at his little friend and he said, you, you can't just go wherever you want to go in the street. You have to walk over here. And we have to be careful. We have to walk in the street a certain, you know, so he starts telling him, you got to be careful. And you know, that was like, wow, like, he's five. Send him to college. He's going to be okay, you know. <laughs> he's already got it. He's got it. So proud. Let's take a look at Matthew seven fourteen through 16. I'm going to be reading it from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Earlier I was reading from the ESV, and I switched between these two, just so you know what I'm reading and why it looks different or sounds different than what you might have on your Bible I tried to make sure that they have the same ones on the screen. So, How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, 
and few find it. See, Ethan's like already like, look, we got to be careful. It's a narrow place to walk. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are, inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. It says, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes and figs from thistles? But you're going to recognize these by their fruit. Be paying attention and look for the danger is what I'm telling you. How do we see danger? Well, you already know the answer because it's, you see danger by knowing what safety looks like. If you've never been in a safe situation, you wouldn't know what it looks like, right? You would always be in fear. You would always live in danger. And you'd know what danger looks like based on that. But we should know it by looking for the safety. Melissa shared more on this the other day. Uh, a couple Sundays ago, Melissa, Pastor Melissa, uh, she shared on this. And I would encourage you, I would implore you to go back and listen to that message again. Go back and get more information on that. Uh, because these messages that we're speaking on John, 1 John, they all kind of, they all tie together in case you didn't notice. And so there, there's, a, there's a lot of overlay. So if you're not from here, you can go to gchurch.net and you can get it there. You could download our church app if you feel so inclined and you can listen to all of our messages there. But um, go all the way back to May or June, whenever this thing started, and listen to all of the First John series. But um, I would encourage you to go back and listen to Melissa's sermon, especially if you missed it. Um, she talked so, so good about the prophecies and, and some of the stuff we're going to get into today. So it's going to sound familiar if you heard it already. But uh, let's go to Matthew 24, 4 through 5. This is the English Standard Version. And Jesus answered them, say, he, Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. He said, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come. So that's more than one will come to lead you astray. Then he says, he, Jesus also adds to this and he says, they will come to you and they will say, I am the Christ. They will tell you that they are the Christ. They will not just try to lead you astray with some story about an, uh, eating some fruit or something. They are going to say, uh, I am the Christ. Some will say this. Then in Matthew 24, it's just a little ways down. Verse 11, it says, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Again, what I'm reading here is we don't want to be a part of the many. We don't want to be part of the many that are led astray, correct? Say yes. Um, the answer is amen or yes or Jesus, whatever you got. Um, you also don't want to be a part of the many false prophets leading people astray. One of the things that used to terrify me is the thought that one day I would stand at a pulpit and preach to people about a topic because what could happen is I could lead someone astray. And it was like terrifying thinking about that. Some of you are like, well, if I share the gospel and I do it wrong, oh man, that's going to be bad. It'll be all right. I'll tell you, it'll be okay. But don't do it on, don't lead people astray on purpose. Like, for one. Anyways. Don't be a part of the many. 
So you might be thinking today, why is this so, so important? Why is this uh, important for me to know today? How do I apply this to my life? How does it make a difference? Lauren, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian for a while, so I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm like Ethan. You know, I got it. Got to figure it out. I know what I'm doing. I can't be led astray because I'm a Christian already, and I know the Bible, and I've read it a lot, and I know some things, and I use Google. So I'm good. <laughs> I will tell you that Adam and Eve had the best teacher. The disciples had the best teacher. There are people over and over again in the Bible that had great teachers that taught them the Bible and taught them not the Bible, but they were living in the Bible. So, you know what I'm saying? Like they were being taught the stuff directly. No translator required. They were there. And they still messed up. They still had things that they went wrong. Some of them became false prophets. Some of them said, that's Jesus. Take him. There's things in the Bible that you can read about where things got wrong, and they had the best teachers. So we have to know and do whatever it is that we need to do to make sure that we're reading the truth, that we're finding the truth, and that we know the truth. And if you know Jesus enough, how can you be led astray? You know, it's not an issue of pride. Like, I don't want anybody to think about that. But be thinking on the fact that if I keep pouring Jesus over my life, I'm famous at my home life group for telling people to pour Jesus on a problem. But if you pour Jesus on your life enough and you keep doing that and you just keep doing that, you're not looking to something else. You're not looking at something else. So there is no way to be led astray because you're being led by Jesus. So you continue to just pour that Jesus on there. For example, I, it's not in my notes. I just feel led to say this. Uh, some of you might need new friends. Some of you might need a good church to go to. I found one that I like. I'll tell you where it is after church. Um, but uh, I found one that I like. And I, I uh, you know, there's times where I'm like, I don't know if I agree with this or do I disagree with that or whatever. And um, what I know I agree with this church on is Jesus. And, and I believe it's a place that you can learn from. And I believe there's a lot of good churches out there that you can learn from, but it's important to make sure that you're learning what you need to be learning um, and that you find the right Jesus to pour on yourself, if I can say it that way. Um, so, John is here. He's actually... The funny thing about this scripture is it's called confusing and strange and difficult to learn and understand. And the funniest part about this scripture, and, it, and it's, it's literally known as one of the most difficult scriptures in, in, uh, that John wrote. And um, he's actually trying to clarify something and make it simple. <laughs> and that's what I find humorous. It's like he, he's trying to like explain something and he's trying to refute false teachers uh, by using these terms. And um, people like, sometimes I think people get so excited and they like, I see this like circus monkey thing happening and they're like so excited uh, that they get into things in the scriptures that it's not really meaning. They're trying to find meaning in things that, anyway, I'm going to move on. <clears throat> but uh, they get too excited and then they just can't find what the writer was saying was this, you know. 
Um, anyways, we're going to look at this part. He says, Jesus comes to us through water and blood, and the Spirit testifies to this as well. That's what he says. That's what it says. That, we're, that is like super controversial and hard for people to understand. So uh, he also um, mentions that he doesn't come to us by water only. That's specific to um, a group of people that were talking about this one thing we're going to get into about why he says that. And um, because I know that um, there were several things I was told about preaching today. Um, Miss Deb told me to not go over 12 minutes. Um, I think that's what we talked about. Sorry, was that what it says? That was what it was. Um, so uh, we didn't start the timer, so I have no idea how far we are. Um, any minute, I'll start my 12-minute timer. Um, <clears throat> but for now, we just hold that at zero. Uh, uh, I was told that I should mention uh, Danny Flores at some time and his test powerful testimony. Um, uh, I was also told to um, look at my parents and um, tell them happy anniversary because today is their anniversary, actually. They've been married. Okay. My dad told me how long they've been married, but I think according to my mom, it's closer to like 151 years, something like that. I can't remember exactly. I think for her, it's been a really long time. Um, <clears throat> she's a fast-paced person, you know. Anyway, so happy anniversary to them. And then I was told, like, that every one of us have gotten up here and shared a Greek word. So, like, how many Greek words are you going to share? How much depth into the Greek are you going to share? I'm not a Greek word person, like, but I do think the words are important. And I did bring you a Greek word because when I was studying, before anyone even told me about this whole Greek word thing, I was studying and I found this Greek word to be fascinating. It's the Greek word aorist. Um, yeah, there it is. Uh, aorist. Um, the cool thing about this word is it's used in, in reference to this verse. And... Um, so how many of you have heard of the tense of a situation? So like, so like past tense, present tense, future tense. I'm hoping you guys are with me. Future tense. So like we kind of think of things in like three tense, right? Not tense, like I go camping with the men's retreat. Tense, like there's three of these, past, present, future. The cool thing about aorist is it actually means or it describes an action without further analyzing it. Um, and it's important um, because the aorist tense of a situation is descriptive to God in a different way. Here's my example. God loved the world so much. But it means he has loved and is still loving. So the aorist tense means it's something that has no real beginning and no real end. It just is. Does that sound like God? Really kind of no beginning? Like people are like, when did God start? God like has no like real beginning and there's no end. He's just there. And so he kind of like, I like to think of it, I'm going to get into something that is not on my notes, but I like to think of God looking at a timeline of us and he can see all of us all at the same moment. Like he's in the Garden of Eden right now, but he's also watching us right now. Because he just is. He's not in the past, present, future. 
He's here. He's there. Where he is, he is. So the aorist tense is important. It's kind of cool because of this right here. It means he has loved and is still loving. So I'm going to have you repeat this with me. should be on the screen behind me. It says, God so loved the world that he gave. What does that mean? Well, in the aorist tense, so in the past tense, that means at one time he gave. So let's say, for example, you heard about giving tithes and offerings. We just did that, so it's in my mind. And so one time you gave in the past. So you're like, I'm good. I gave my tithes that one time. Well, that is good. I mean, congratulations. You're amazing. But that's the past. So God lives in the everything, the everywhere. And so because of this aorist tense, God not only loved the world, he loves the world. So let's change that to God so loves the world that he gives. He gave continually. He's never stopped the giving gift of Christ. He's always give, giving. This is where it gets a little bit. Blah, blah, blah. He's always giving this gift. It's not, we can't imagine it because in the aorist tense, it just is. So it's not past and it's not present. And it's not future. He just does. I hope that makes sense. I was trying to make sense. I was really excited about this word um, because again, the Greek words of things often sound like my big fat Greek wedding. And um, it's a shameless plug to a movie my wife likes. And she's here, so. Um, in the Greek, it says this. Um, everything is, comes from the Greek, so. Hallelujah, that's amazing. God so loved the world that he gave. He just gave. Every, every time he gave. In every scenario. Some people like to think of like, well, what if this happened? And then, you know, like, what if you ordered a different drink, you know, that day? And then maybe you wouldn't have gotten a car wreck or, you know, whatever and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, but in every situation, God still gave his son for us. In every situation, in every scenario you could fathom, God still gave and still gives you his son. Every scenario. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. God still gives Every time, in every scenario. That's not even in my notes. That's just the spirit moving. It's weird because I, like, I think I stopped sweating a minute ago. <clears throat> That's a whole other thing. You'd have to know me. Back to this water, blood, and spirit thing. Some people, don't be offended, Luther and Calvin, for example, uh, concluded that blood and water meant that water was from the baptism, which is true, and blood was for the sacrament, which is like our little communion that we were going to take. Uh, blood for the sacrament is like our little communion. So um, that, that's what he was talking about in these scriptures. Uh, you remember the moment the Lord took the bread and he broke it. I got some bread in here. Don't be alarmed. Um, you might smell it if you're hungry or fasting. Um, <clears throat> we're going to take communion today, but that's not exactly what John was talking about. See, Satan and other false teachers and prophets, they want to tell us whatever 
to get us just ever so slightly off course. Anyone you, like the boats example, you know, you get a big enough ship and you turn it just ever so slightly and it's gonna be way off course. You know, I have a friend, uh, I think he's my friend, Dan Smith. Uh, he's over there, I'll ask him later. Um, but uh, we, we talk about sometimes like military strategies and all kinds of crazy stuff. And we talk about the Navy and how like, um, you know, people can get like basically fired from their job from being just a little bit off. Because there's a difference in being in one ocean and being in another ocean. And like when we look at a big map, it's all one big ocean, you know. I mean, I used to be at it as a kid, like, why is that called the Pacific Atlantic? They touch. It's the same. It's all one ocean. Just call it the one ocean. Like, let's make this simple. There's not 13 oceans or whatever. There's one. Like, who are you kidding? There's no fences out there. I've never seen a fence in the ocean. Actually, I have seen a fence, but that's a whole other thing. And it didn't go anywhere. It just stuck off into the ocean. Like, between, you know, Mexico and the United States, there's like a little fence. Just walk around the fence. Just go out there and come back, like, no big deal. Anyways, somebody thought that was important to put that fence there. <clears throat> Who knows? Anyway, but the false teacher or somebody, they're gonna, they might believe that they're 100% right. And if you don't know, then you might just agree with them and be like, that sounds right. I'm going to give you some examples of that. But again, remember that even an airplane, if they turn that airplane just a little bit, and all of a sudden you're like, Hawaii was supposed to be eight hours. Where are we going? And you get to 14, 15, 16 hours, and they're like, we're running out of fuel. We made a slight error. <clears throat> Hitting this tiny island that's 2,500 miles in any direction from any given thing. Don't be alarmed by that statistic. <laughs> I was like freaked out, like, how are they going to find that place? Um, I don't trust my GPS. It's like recalculating all the time. But that's how it works. That's how the false prophecies can get to you sometimes. That's how Satan works, really. I mean, he just wants to sit at your table. This shameless plug from the Wednesday night service. He just wants to sit at your table and just talk to you. He's not trying to, like, come in and... You know, a lot of times we think of him as a roaring lion, and it can be that way. But if you've ever seen an animal stalk something, a lot of times they don't just run full force at something. Like, I'm coming to get you! I'm coming to get I'm going to eat you! They don't do that. <laughs> they sneak up. Ethan likes to sneak up on Miss Deb. <laughs> he likes to kind of stalk up on her. She hears him. But he doesn't know that until just now I told him. Uh, but he likes to sneak up in her office and he creeps up behind her desk and he says, boo. And she says, ah! We all hear it and we laugh because it's in the office here. But that's, not, that's how the devil is. The devil s sneaks up on you in plain sight and sits down next to you and says, hey, honey. Just kidding. That's not what he says. That's a joke. No, what he says is, hey, how's it going? Doing all right? You're looking good today. Oh, man. It's a shame about that haircut. Yeah, your job kind of not doing so good, huh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd be dissatisfied with that, too. Ooh, it's a rough place to work. Man. But you know, one day maybe those people get saved. 
Now, you might be uncomfortable with the devil talking to you like this, so I'll move along. But that's how it works. He just slides right in there. And the prophet says to you, or the false teacher says to you, something that's just a little bit off. And you might not notice at first because it's so close to real. It's so close to what you know in your mind, in your heart, your soul. It's so close to just regular that it doesn't feel different. I have another friend that despises Starbucks and tells you all the reasons why. And I'm like, okay, but you don't own a, I can't go to your store and sit there and study. I don't even drink coffee. I go to a Starbucks or Starbucks-like location to study the Bible or write sermons like this or whatever. I might be sitting at a coffee shop um, drinking some kind of pink tea. I don't know. They just give me with the pink tea. I don't know. It's got lemonade in it and it's just good. Anyway. But my friend will tell you that the coffee at Starbucks is terrible because he's like, I've tasted this better coffee. And it made me think so many people could be going to, I'm using Starbucks as an example of a bad thing to do, so if you like it, just excuse me for a minute. But so many people will go to the Starbucks and drink the coffee and be like, oh, it's just what I needed. Just needed some coffee. It's just good. And my friend's like, yeah, but it's not good. The good stuff is over here. The gate is narrow. I don't know what the good coffee shop is. I can't tell you. Uh, I went to Red Rock on 242. It was nice, I guess. But I don't know if it's good. I don't know. I'm just here to tell you about Jesus. So imagine a story of Jesus, but just a little bit altered. Because I want you to have the experience of what this might look like so that you know where the safety is, right? So can I tell you a story about Jesus that's just slightly altered? You might hear the alteration and be like, I know this story, and that is wrong. And you might hear my story and say, I don't know if that's wrong. I'm going to tell you in advance that it is not correct, so I'm just not going to tell you what about it's not correct. But remember, Lauren went to Bible school. He was taught all this fancy stuff. He knows a lot of cool words. He knows a lot of things about the Bible. He's like a Bible ninja. He was a self-proclaimed like valedictorian of the Bible school he went to. I was better than all three of those other people, six of those people. It was amazing. My wife says that I'm, well, she says a lot of things, but sometimes she says I'm amazing, I think. Um, so I know a lot of things. I studied these rabbis, right? So I'm not here to tell you that Jesus, I'm not going to tell you some crazy story about how like Jesus was a woman and all this stuff. Like, I'm not here to tell you something that you might see and look through right away. What I'm going to tell you is a story about Jesus as a rabbi and how he went about healing people. And there's something you don't know about rabbis is that they were girded with their belts. Remember that word? It's in the Bible, girded, belt. Um, I got a belt on. Maybe I'm a rabbi because I got a belt. But these rabbis, they wore these belts. And back then, they had to, you remember in the Bible, this is a true story, right? You remember, in the Bible, they were anointing people with oil all the time. That's all they did. They, like, anointed people with oil. They just gotta have, so they've got to have a way when they're traveling to carry their oil. So they have to put on their belt, you know, carry their oil. Um, if you notice, like, a lot of times, they just carry a little bottle. Because you don't, you know, it's really expensive to, like, dump a bunch of oil on somebody like they did, all, you know, sometimes. So they would carry smaller quantities of this oil. 
And then um, also they would carry like this uh, little pouch of dirt um, in their uh, kind of fanny pack thing that they carry because you got to carry your oil and your dirt. And it's hard, you know, they didn't have belts like police officers where they got all the things, the bat belt, you know, with all the little gadgets and stuff. So they got like, I kind of picture like a fanny pack. That's the best way to explain it, you know. You go to Africa, you wear your fanny pack. Um, I assume I've never been to Africa. I'm just telling you the story. Um, so the rabbi's got his Bethlehem dirt in this pouch in his fanny pack. He's got his oils and stuff. And so Jesus, his rabbi, he's doing the same thing. You know, he's got this belt on and he's carrying his stuff in there. And so he comes across this blind man. You know the story of the blind man. And he's decided to heal this blind man. So he reaches in his fanny pack, pulls out this little bit of Bethlehem dirt, and he, and he spits in it and kind of makes this like a elixir kind of mud stuff and applies it to his face and puts it over his eyes. And then he rinses his off, and, and then um, he's healed. Right? That's what happens. Jesus put the mud on his face, rinsed it off, and he was healed. And he could see. And then, you know, other stuff happens. Does the story I just told you sound similar to a story you've heard about Jesus? I got one person saying yes, at least one. Thank you. Uh, I'll try to make it very much sound like the story you know. But what I did was I altered the story ever so slightly to put the healing ability on what I called the Bethlehem dirt. I put the dirt in the pouch. I stuck it in his fanny pack with his oils and his other rabbi things that he would carry. And I told you about this. And I said Bethlehem dirt. So you've heard of that. I used only terms that are biblical terms that might sound familiar to you. And so I told you a story that a false prophet or something could have told you. And let me tell you this. If you heard that story and you didn't know where the difference was, not shame on you. That's just going to show you that you could have left here today thinking that that was the story and then shared that gospel with someone else and went on Google or Amazon, let's be serious, Bethlehem Dirt ordered from Lauren's website <laughs> from Spring, Te how did they get Bethlehem Dirt from Spring, Texas? It's like I'm out there shoveling in bags, people. I don't know. Sounds good, right? It doesn't take that much. It doesn't take, and I told you in advance, I told you I was going to tell you a story, I told you I was going to tell you a false story, but it doesn't take that much to deviate ever so slightly a word here or there, and now it's a false prophecy. Now you're preaching the wrong gospel. You're preaching something that's actually not true. What's well, mostly true, it's like gets into that whole Lying is the intent to deceive. That's for Pam. It's a whole other joke, but it's true. Rabbis carrying. I just picture rabbis carrying fanny packs now. This is my own thing. Maybe that'll be a logo on a shirt one day. And everybody would be like, why is that rabbi carrying a fanny pack? I don't know. They did that 2,000 years ago before Velcro. But I was leaning that healing on the dirt. So now back to this time period. So I'm bringing you all the way back to the scripture we're talking about. I'm trying to lead you on a journey here. There were these people called the Gnostics. They were teaching people 
and trying to bring people to a specific idea about Jesus that I'm going to tell you is not exactly true because it wasn't true. I believe 100% that what they were telling you in this specific instance was not true. And that's what John was talking about when he says, Jesus comes to us by water, blood, and the Spirit testifies that. Not by water only. Here's the thing. Here's the hardest part of the scripture to understand. Maybe. What they thought was, or what they would teach is this. I'm going to read it because I already wrote it down and I don't have to think about it. I can just read it to you. Here's the difference. They would say Jesus was born and then he grew up. Do you agree? Yes. I'm not tricking you. It's true. I believe he was born from Mary. They, yep, they would say, uh-huh. And he grew up. This is where it gets tricky. I was telling you. Then he got baptized. Do you still agree? Who was there? John the Baptist, right? Still true, everybody? This is all still true, so not tricking you, telling you everything. I'm going to tell you when it's wrong. You might notice, because I'm going to say things like this. Remember when Jesus was baptized, and, this, and, and we remember that cinematic moment that Hollywood taught us. It was a cloudy day, because you can't, you can't have like sunlight burst through the clouds if they're not there. So it had to be a cloudy day. John's over there just baptizing people, probably a thunderstorm, you know. They didn't care about lightning. We're all going to heaven if, you know, lightning hits the water anyway, so it's probably the best thing. John's got people to baptize. Jesus shows up. All of a sudden, he's getting baptized. The clouds separate. It looks kind of like it does today all of a sudden. But this light is beaming down from heaven onto Jesus, the human, Jesus man, and the dove descends. Caca is my impersonation of when the dove descends. So you can enjoy that moment. Caca, little dove descending. This light is beaming down. And God says, This is my son who I'm well pleased. And at all happening at the same moment, the Christ comes down from heaven and joins with Jesus. Boom! As he comes out of the water. He is now Jesus the Christ. Do you see a problem with that? Okay. So this is their version, or this is a version of false prophecy that was being taught about Jesus, the Christ, coming to us through the water. So John says he did not come to us through the water only, but by the blood and the Spirit that testifies to these things. And then there was the thing about at the end of the scripture, which we'll get to. So, they said, that's how Jesus could be the Son of God because the Christ came down from heaven and joined with him in that moment in time. So we're still together. Then he says, then this is where they get even more fun. It says, Jesus the Christ, oh, sorry. I, Jesus the Christ is connected with God and the Christ took over his body kind of and started on his mission and ministry at that moment in time. Which is true. After the baptism, he starts on his moment of ministry and stuff. And some people like to say, well, he ministered before because when he was a kid, you know, he was in synagogues. But just follow me for a minute. And then the other part that just only makes sense if you're Gnostic. Um, 
you know, has to be the truth when Jesus dies on the cross. Just for your reference, you remember it because it was Mark 15, 34 and Matthew 27, 46. Come on, you guys knew this? It's when he died on the cross? When Christ left the body of Jesus on the cross? We know this because in that moment, Matthew 27, 46 and Mark 15, 34, it's in there twice. Jesus is on the cross and he says what? He says, you guys already know this, I'm just reminding you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that's the moment when the Christ left Jesus' human body on the cross and went back to heaven to hang out with, Jesus, with God. Sorry, Jesus is hanging with himself too, but that's the moment. That's what they were teaching. That's the false prophecy. Here's where the problem is. In case you don't know, some of you are like, that is a problem. But in case you don't know, that this is why it's a problem. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much, I've told you everything that John, first one, first John 5, 6 through 12 is refuting. I've just told you everything that you need to know. And I'm hopefully going to unpack it enough that, it, that us amazing people will know more than the regular people and be able to understand it. So, first of all, if you agree with these Gnostic stories, Jesus Christ was not God that came to earth. Couldn't have been a God until the moment of the baptism when the God parson joined with Jesus. Because Jesus, let me explain that again. Even then, Jesus was a human in this story, and then the Christ applies himself to him. So it's like a filter, you know, or a, a hybrid. You know, it's like a Toyota Prius version of Christ. Not that great, good on fuel economy, but not, not, a, not a great version. Some of you have Priuses and you're laughing, probably. But <clears throat> anyways, so if you're Gnostic, he's not born of a human. He grows up but Jesus the Christ does not experience life as a human, as a human child, human parents. He doesn't grow up. Bethlehem doesn't really matter because it was just Jesus that was born there. Or whatever. For some reason, that song Bethlehem Morning popped in my head. Now I'm distracted. It's not even a song. I don't even know why it's there. Get out of there. Um, also, Jesus the Christ doesn't exactly die for your sins. Sort of a problem. If you want to be a Christ follower, all you need to know is right before death, bolt. Electric chair, just jump out of there and run away. Being put up on a cross, meh, you just get out of there. Just take yourself down. Hello. I, I use microphones all the time and I forget they're there. I get so excited. Jesus is exciting. That's why this is important to know and refute this part of what was being taught. And John is so passionate about telling it. So I would say, sure, sure, sure. Jesus died. We know that. Even the Gnostics agree with me on that. Jesus died on the cross. But they're, what they're trying to do is separate us from the saving grace that Jesus Christ brings to us. So, they're teaching a false teaching to just turn our ship a little bit away from God's words and his miracles. 
where the things that you need lie. So, what's a present-day Gnostic to you? What is the thing that is out there turning you away from the Jesus you need to hear about, that you need to fall in love with, that you need to just enjoy and want to be with and want to be like God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit? What's turning you away from those things? You know, excuse me, you might not know right at this moment all of them, but something may have popped in your mind when I was telling you that. <coughs> Excuse me. And you thought about it. The, the thing that's turning you away could be... It could be the news channel you watch. It could be TikTok or Twitter or X, if you don't know what that is. <coughs> Excuse me. It could be Facebook Facebook's an entity. TikTok's an entity. It's a thing. It might not be a thing that's trying to turn you away, but the content you're looking at on there could be the thing that is turning you away from the kind of person that you're supposed to be. <coughs> All of a sudden, I can't breathe. I just keep coughing. You're welcome. It might just be the things <coughs> that are turning you just ever so slightly are the friends you keep hanging out with. I have friends that are closer than a brother, which I can tell you I got two boys and they are like really close. And I have friends that I'm not really friends with anymore, or I'm not, you know, I mean, they still call me friend, I still call them friend, but we, we're, not, we're not really friends. We don't really hang out or do anything. There's separation there. Some of that is brought on by myself making the choice of like, they're not really a good influence on who I want to be, where I want to go. Um, sometimes I'll lose friends because they don't go to the same church I go to, and it just becomes a little difficult. We're still buddies, but we're just not in the same circles. I've made some friends, in case you want to know, well, Lauren, how do you make friends with Plato? Um, <laughs> I've made some friends, and I talk to my Plato friends, and at home life. And for some of you, home life might be a dirty word. You're like, oh, uh, home life, you know. I went to home life once. Oh, it was so long took an hour. Oh, God, I had worked all day. I went to the gym that day, and then I had worked. Oh, my gosh, it was so long. Oh, hold on, I got to sit down. Oh, gosh, it was so hard. They made me eat this food that they prepared. Oh, gosh. Then I got so full and sleepy. Then they just kept praying for me and talking over me because my eyes were closed, and I was just trying to take a nap. Home life was so hard. And then, then my wife met this girl there that was married to this dude, and now we have to have a barbecue on Saturday. And they have kids my kid's age, and now we're friends. That's how Steve and I became friends. It's a true story. Not really. It's sort of a true story. 
I'm a home life leader because I'm passionate about the connections that it makes. And sometimes we have small home life groups. We have a couple of people that show up. We have a dinner at ours. Not all, all of them aren't the same. But at my house, we have dinner because, let me just tell you, our home life happens at dinner time. So I'm not going to let you just go hungry. That's crazy talk. Who doesn't like tacos? Or whatever we're having. But I guarantee if you come to my home life, there will be tacos at some point in time. Because we, maybe twice in eight weeks, we will have tacos. Because you can make tacos in a bunch of ways. Now I'm rabbit trailing and thinking about tacos. But I'm just telling you, you want to get closer to Christ. You want to get away from the false prophecies. You want to get away from the false stuff that is in your life. You want to filter out some of the garbage that you see with your eyes because you opened a computer or you looked at your phone. I was playing a game on my phone, and all of a sudden, this agenda ad popped up about a specific thing that I don't even have to tell you what it is. It was just garbage. And I didn't really want to see it, but it was an ad that you have to watch to play this game. So what did I do? I was a good kid that day, and I closed the game, and I was like, I'm not watching your thing. Later, I went back and played the game when the ad was, you know, it was a different ad then. It was like Ritz crackers then or something. Or this thing called canine. I don't even have a cat, but there's this like cat ad for food. Anyways, it's in my head. They got me. I'd probably buy it if I had a cat. But home life, the, the great thing, let me, let me uh, finish my thought on home life. It's not in my notes, so I, I just got to tell you, I'm just excited about home life all of a sudden. Home life's coming up. In a couple of weeks, we're starting a new group of home life groups. And uh, uh, we're actually expanding. It's growing into more groups. Um, and I'm so excited for that because um, that gives you less excuses for why you can't come to Lauren's home life on Thursday at 6.30. Um, because it's on a Thursday. Oh, and it's at 6.30 and Lauren talks forever. Because something you should know about Lauren, just because you're going to go there and be like, oh my gosh, is, Lauren is a night owl. His brain turns on at 10 p.m. Somehow I'm awake right now. Everything for me happens in the afternoon. And Lauren's going to talk to you about this Jesus that he's going to want you to wash over yourself and pour on yourself and just... You're going to be like, oh, I got this problem. Me and my wife are battling finances. And Lauren's like, oh, that's my favorite subject. I love it. I love when you're dealing with financial problems. I know that's terrible, but I, I, because I went through them myself, I can help you. I love it. It makes my ears perk up. It's the things. I made friends at Home Life that I don't know if we would have hung out where we would have hung out otherwise. My kids have made friends. I get asked all the time, when's Noah coming back to church? Why was he at baseball? Where was he going? What is he doing? Where's Juliana? 
I know there's other kids I've been told that ask, can we go to Lauren and Stephanie, or can we go to Liam's? They don't talk, they don't know who I am. Um, excuse me, uh, Liam's dad? Uh, they want to go to Liam's house for home life. I have a video I sent to the pastors once of my little boy, Ethan, and he was like, oh, is today Thursday? And we're like, yes, it's Thursday. And he was like, all right. And I said, yeah, why are you so excited? We're just going home. And he was like, oh, because it's home life. And I'm like, oh, buddy, right now we're at a home life break, and it's not, oh, it's home life. I can't make it. Literally, you have one more day of preschool. I can't do it without home. My friends aren't here. Because he made real friends and real relationships at home life. So, my last thing to say about home life. None of this is in my notes. Scott, I am just rambling about home life for whatever reason. Somebody needs to hear this. So it's for somebody. There is a home life group for you. There is one that you will fit in. And you might have to go to one or two to be like, well, that's not me. And I'll just tell you right now, at Lauren and Stephanie's house, there's kids there. And sometimes it's loud. And you're like, what? The Holy Spirit said, what? Hold on, kids, be quiet. We can't even think. Or whatever. I'm not saying that's really what happens, but it, it's really what happens at times. <clears throat> Hardwood floors are great until you realize it just echoes everywhere. Last thing, home life. There's a group with no kids. Did you know that? There's a group. There's some kids there. I mean, all of us are kids, right? I mean, Mr. John is a thousand years old and he's a kid. So there's a home life group for you. And coming up, there's going to be a multitude of home lives. There's some on Thursday. There's going to be some. Am I spoiling this? I was going to tell him. There's going to be some on Friday and there's one on Saturday. It is a commercial. Here you go. This is your ad for playing this game that we're doing right now called First John 5, 6 through 12. You're almost to the finish of the levels here. Just keep your thumbs moving like this and you'll be okay. Um, there's going to be a time that'll be okay for you. There's going to be a group that fits you. And you know what? Here's what I would say. If you are a naysayer to home life, you're like, you know what? I don't have time for home life, Lauren. I'm busy. I'm busy. Prince, I'm going to use you as an example for a second. Prince is going to tell me, Lauren, I'm too busy for home life. I can't make it. This is what Lauren says. Then have one at your house. Start one at your house. Because then you can pick the time. Then you can pick when you're not busy. Then you can make it. You can put it in your planner. Because we do what we want to do, right? We have what we want to have. We strive and we work for the things that we want. I got a friend, he's not over here right now. He wants a new truck, talks about it all the time. His wife's Marisol, she's over there laughing. Um, but if he wanted a new truck, there's some things he could do to get that. He could work towards it. Maybe. She's saying no. Um, he's got to win the lottery is what's going to happen. Um, anyways. Sorry. Home life, the end. That's the end of your commercial. Do, 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 do. Um, we're going to take communion in just a second. So if you do not have your little communion 
elements. These are pretty cool. They got a cracker in one side and a juice in the other. I recommend you figure out which side to open first because it's a trick. If you do the wrong side, it gets tricky. <laughs> open the cracker for those of you that need the explanation. That's my suggestion. But you don't have to open it yet. You can wait. You can open it. If you already opened it, it's fine. Just don't eat it yet. Hold on. We're going to do it together. And I got to tell you this brief story first. Because we're still talking about the scriptures. We're just not moving into communion. It's not separate. It's part of this verse. Sort of. Oh, I almost forgot. For those of you that grew up in a different church than I did, you might need to know this. This is 100% not a closed communion. You can take communion. I'm giving you permission to take communion. If for some reason you grew up in a place or church that communion was specific to specific people or you had to have always gone been a member or whatever, I don't care. You can take communion. You have Lauren's permission. There's communion over there. There's communion stuff over there. Please grab it. You can take it. There you go. Just hold on to it. We'll take the cracker and the little juice together. The most important thing that I want to talk to you about with this communion is what is on your heart at this very moment? Don't just eat the cracker and drink the juice because you're trying to wash down the cracker. What I want to talk to you about is in these last two verses. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says this, and this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. We believe Jesus came to us as a newborn baby. He was brought to us through the water. He ministered to us. He taught us to pray. He taught us how to ask for healing. He teaches us how to ask for the things that we need and how to get those things. He even kind of mentions about paying taxes. Sorry, I don't like taxes, but it's in there. He showed us the love of a husband for his bride. Excuse me, this is the hard part for me to say. Then he allowed the blood from his human body to be shed for us, teaching us about the greatest of sacrifices. He taught us how one man can and did lay down his life for a friend. That friend is you. And you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you online. That friend is you, Amy Beale. This is not just Amy Beale. I was just a friend. He laid down his life for you.
So what's on your heart right now? Is it these powerful, life-giving words? If you have Jesus, you have life. Remember, drinking this juice today is symbolic. It's just symbolic. There's no life in this juice. It's just juice. Jesus' blood was shed for you. And this is a symbol of that. This is a, that's what it is. It's just a symbol to remind you, to get you to think on that. His blood was shed for you. Now, of course, people want to look at the cracker or the bread and they say his body's broken for you. But let's fo- we're talking about water, blood, and spirit right now. So, His blood was shed for you. This is a symbol of that. It's not just juice. And it's definitely not the juice that we find life in. It's in Jesus that we find life. He brings life. His blood was shed for your life. If you've heard this message today and you feel compelled, you feel like you want to know more about Jesus or God and the Holy Spirit, more about peace and love and grace that comes with knowing this Jesus that I keep bringing up, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of stories and a lot of things going on in the world today and things that come up and uh, people are going to agree and disagree about different things. But all you have to do, really, it could just be as simple as this, saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, teach me. Heal my body. I want to follow you. Because the real reality of it is the prayer of salvation was created as a direction to get you to follow Jesus. The words of the prayer were created by a person who was just trying to give you some instructions to follow Jesus. So what happens is a lot of times we read those words, we pray a prayer, and we're good, right? We don't study anymore. We read the Bible sometimes. We go to church, maybe, at least Christmas, Easter, and today. But we don't really follow him. I'm just speaking to somebody. I don't know who you are. All you have to do is accept him. Because he wants you to follow him. Paul, in fact, says, follow me as I follow Christ. If you need more on this, come see me or one of the prayer partners that are going to come up here in a minute after the service, after this close. So Jesus taught us about this. He taught us about, um, about communion. So um, he was hanging out with his friends, and he took some bread. Some of you know what this is. It's bread. This is bread with a prize inside. And he broke that bread. And he ate it. And then he found a cup. And he drank from it. I'm going to need to do this. Hold on. 
And he said, do you remember what he said? As often as you do this, remember me. As often as you do this, remember me. What do you mean? Remember what he did for you. Not just that he died on the cross, just some way off God that was hanging on this cross and there was three of them and two of the guys go to heaven and one of them not so much. Not just a bloody corpse of a human without God inside. Hanging on a cross, dying for nothing. Remember what he did for you. Because you know what he did for you. You know where you came from. So let's take our communion stuff. And let's take this one moment. You've already hopefully been thinking. And just remember what he did for us. When you're ready, let's eat this bread. And if it helps you, you can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I love you. And whenever you're ready, you can drink from your tiny cup, remembering this, what he did for you. kind of got like two more things and I'm going to tell the prayer partners they can go ahead and come forward now. If you don't know what a prayer partner is, it's just a person that will agree with you in prayer. You're welcome. Remember Jesus came to us. He came through the water and the blood and the spirit. And these three things together testify about who he is. The blood, the water, and the spirit. And if you go somewhere today, and maybe they have bread. And maybe they have cups. Just take a moment and remember what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did for you. The names of Jesus are important. You say, he was the Christ. He was the Son of God. He wasn't just Jesus, a human that went about doing some cool things and then died. He was our Savior. If you need prayer today for anything, please come forward. Don't leave without it. Please don't be like my friend Tracy French who will come to church, get all this information, and then leave not getting the prayer she needed. I already told her I was going to say that. She's in Kids World. You can tell her that I told you uh, I said that. Don't do that. Come forward and get the prayer that you need. Don't leave here today. I prayed that no one would leave here today. I prayed this for multiple days in a row. I don't even remember that no one would leave here today without what they needed from the Lord. 
It's not embarrassing to come and get prayed for. Sometimes you know you've prayed for the thing, you've got it. You just need someone to agree with you. Sometimes you don't even know what to pray. You don't know the words. If you pray the prayer and you want to accept Jesus, come forward, talk to these people. Talk to me, I'll come down here. Let me say this over you and then we're getting out of here. May the Lord bless you and your family all the days of your life. You guys have a great day. Amen. Amen. Amen.